Hi, I'm Ken. And I'm Dee. And this is Antiques Freaks live in person together in again. In the studio again. This podcast is fully vaccinated, so we can do this now. If you haven't gotten vaccinated, please consider. There are so many free outreaches in so many communities, and it's great. I feel great. What antiques are we talking about this week? This is actually a listener request on our cool Facebook group, Antiques Freaks Friends. So you may have gotten that if you aren't there already, it's a great way to get me to pay attention to the stuff you want to know about. This is going out to friend of the show, Hugh, who wanted to know a little more about advertising fans. <gasps> yes! I love this post. It looks so cool. It is really cool. Tell me how about cool it is. Well, so fans are for cooling. They're extremely cool by nature. So this is also the episode where I quit the podcast. Aw, man. And you're gonna <laughs> have to it. do this one alone. <laughs> All right. Well, Ken's gone now. Just kidding. He's right here. This is happening in his house. So like, yeah, I'd like to see him try and leave. This is my apartment. <laughs> so you might be familiar with fans as a fashion accessory and decorative item. You might be less familiar with fans as an advertising item. The trick was that since everyone needed fans at all times before the invention of electrical fans and later the air conditioning unit, that they were everywhere and you generally everyone had at least one. And once printing became fast and easy and cheap, it was the easiest way to make people look at your brand. Because if it was hot, you'd hand them a fan and they'd say, thanks, uh, honeydew donuts. <laughs> And then, when they continued to fan themselves with said fan, everyone they passed on the street would be like, Hey, sick how you do donuts fan. Yeah. And a lot of them were very purposefully, extremely richly illustrated, detailed, and painted before they- Well, I mean, painted before they were printed. Right. Which made everyone look at them even harder. Uh, one of the ones I saw was a really beautiful, like, Art Nouveau fairy woman. And then on the back, it was just like, do you want to buy milk? <laughs> I was like, yeah, from you, of course. Look at your cool art. <laughs> if she's selling it, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Vintage advertising fans can take any form. They're usually paper. Rarely you could find fabric and then wood printed with various advertisements for any kind of business. These showed up from the late 1800s when printing became easier to access and died out around the 1940s, which incidentally is when you start seeing electric fans become more accessible. I found a chart of types of fans, and it turns out every single one has at some point been used for advertising. You have, most commonly, the stick handle square wood fixed fan. A fixed fan is any fan that doesn't move or open. So not a folding fan. Not a folding fan. Just a chunk of something flat on a stick you can hold. Yep. Some of them were the self-handled fixed fans, which is just where there was not a separate stick. It was usually a piece of cardboard... And the stick was the fan itself. The fixed flag fan. It's a fa It's a flag. Wow, that was a minefield. I almost messed that up. <laughs> Happy June. <laughs> Happy June. The fixed fan with wicker handle, with a wicker hoop. The wedge or pie-shaped fixed fan, which is my favorite. Oftentimes, they had little curly cues and cutouts along the edge to make them prettier. The thumb grip fixed fan, which just kind of looked like a paper easel. So you can put your thumb there and fan yourself. Oh. And my other favorite, the tri-fold pull-out fan. So it was three leaves, usually of paper, and they'd be kind of fixed in the middle with a grommet. Oh, okay. You also have the brise fan, the folding fan, the Jenny Lind fan, the fontanche, the palmette, and the cockade fan. The Jenny Lind fan, you say? The Jenny Lind fan. From The Greatest Showman? Yes. I guess she popularized that type. 
keep your eyes out for an upcoming episode where I talk more about those because they have a very different rich history. But all of them show up in advertising to an extent, especially the cockade. I'm going to say it like that every time, yes. <laughs> uh, cockades are specifically sticks that fold out to a handle and a round folded fan shape. Oh. They're very popular for advertising because they're just very fun and unique looking. So at a time when everyone had a fan, that would stick out. One thing I thought was really interesting is the immediate predecessor to the advertising fan was something called the Ed Memoir. Ed Memoir. Ed Memoir. You might have guessed this is a French phrase meaning help the memory. Wow. (laughs) Did I say it wrong? No, it's just sometimes it's very easy to trace the uh, effect of the Norman invasion on the English language. (laughs) Yeah, the thing called aid memory in French, turns out it aids your memory. (laughs) Um, So, (laughs) I know I hate that the Normans ever did this. How could they? (laughs) This kind of fan was pretty much just prompted by everyone's excitement that printing could happen. Whoa. Yeah. Because you see these happen in, like, 1780 very rarely, and then more popularly through 1820. And then the French seemed to lose interest in it. And then the Victorians later picked up the printed fan. I tried to find some examples of these because I thought it was, like, hilarious. They're instructional fans that just carry things to remember. From the normal, which was how to flirt, (laughs) or how to say common phrases and pronounce them correctly, to... That's normal? That's normal for you? If you just see a guy walking around in public, fanning himself, and you read the words how to flirt on his fan, (laughs) and you look at this guy and you say, that's a normal one. He's having a normal day. (laughs) I mean, in terms of things you're going to need to recall in a conversation, like, I mean, we still have mystery. Right. But he's at least telling people how to flirt beforehand, and then they keep that information in their brain where no one can see it. (laughs) And then they use it. If he could make money printing fans that reminded everyone of the steps, he would. I mean, that's what the book is, isn't it? Yes. And I use it as a fan as well. (laughs) So, kind of things that you could kind of expect and deal with knowing, if not normal. Okay. To biological parts of a flower. I would say that is more normal than how to flirt. I say it's a more effective way to flirt with me. Specifically you, yes. But also, like... (laughs) Especially considering the Victorian interest in botany. I feel like here are the parts of a flower is more useful when you're leaving your house to go look at flowers, which why else would you leave your house? Whereas how to flirt is basically just a warning to everyone you meet. Like, you know how poisonous animals will be brightly colored just to tell everyone to fuck off? It's called aposematism. Yes. So the flirt fan is a posematism for human beings in the 1800s. <laughs> so understandably, I thought that was the funniest thing I'd ever read. Yes. Agreed. <laughs> like I said, the ubiquitousness of people needing hand fans or wanting to have them meant that everything got advertised. And I do mean everything. There are examples of paper hand fans that were just sort of reminding people that the French Revolution had happened. Were these the cockade fans? They were cockade fans. There you go. (laughs) I've done it. I've solved fans, everyone. (laughs) Also, when ballooning became a sport, 
the Victorians well known for their borderline rabbit obsession with ballooning. Something- hot air balloons, yeah. yeah. Hot air <laughs> balloon as a sport. Um, something about the way many standard fans were already kind of balloon shaped just made everyone feral. <laughs> So those are extremely collectible. Uh-huh. And it's not limited to the Victorian era. I found one from Kansas in 1940, where they were just like, we went in a balloon, woo! Like, it's the whole thing. No offense to Kansas, but I can see why that particular event would be memorable. <laughs> Sorry, Kansas. There are also contemporary fans made for Lincoln's assassination as, like, take-home pieces for people who'd been in town when it happened. I'm hoping these were memorials? They were, most of them. Oh, good. They were memorials of varying sobriety. <laughs> ah. Like I said, um, if you're a big fan of the Lincoln assassination, that was a weird way to put it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was. Can confirm. Was here when you said it. It was weird. <laughs> if you're historically fascinated by the event in which Lincoln was assassinated, then you might already know that there was an extremely weird marketing boom around it. Oh, yeah. And it turns out advertising fans adver. I like using advertising, like, advertising the fact that Lincoln had, in fact, died. Oh, no. There's also, like, literally everything. Funerals. Advertising fans became a really big deal at funerals. Because people need fans? It's hot. And they would do two things. They would distribute them at the funerals, so that when you went home with your funeral fan, people would see the funeral business and perhaps think of them the next time they were in need of funeral business. Or they distribute them to churches. Well known for being hot in summer, and also for being associated with the practice of having a funeral. True. Both true. Yeah, any summer funeral is going to be outdoors. You do not want to be inside in an enclosed space with that body. You really don't. So fans! (laughs) And it becomes a really smart way to advertise. Because people take these things home. Sometimes they hold on to them as memorials of the event. And then you just have eyes on it. They also tended to be really pretty. Um, A lot of the funeral fans that were given out at funerals would have either very sober black artwork or sober, like, classical artwork with very vague religious-ish sayings. Like, with love there is peace is a common one. It's a Bible phrase that doesn't say Jesus or God. Whereas the fans that showed up at churches tended to be more overtly religious. And actually, you can still find these down south. Well, it is still very warm there, so I can't say as I'm shocked. Yeah. Another thing that is very classically American, for one very, very funny reason, is that advertising fans became everywhere in terms of politics. Uh... Politics and Americana became are one of the first places you'll see an advertising fan. One of them was, <laughs> you know, everyone's favorite presidential candidate, Adlai Stevens? I mean, he's no Woodrow Wilson, but he's up there. Notable for having never been president, despite trying as many times as was legally possible. There's just a fan that just says, Adlai is cool. Because <laughs> it's on a fan, which will cool you down. I get it. Yeah, political fans were as ubiquitous as pins. Just absolutely everywhere. To the point where I actually found a cache of fans that were about the Nixon election where it was impossible to tell if they were for or against Nixon. I feel like that really sums up Nixon. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It was also when they were still calling him Dick, which I think is funny. They can't lick our dick. The reason that I said that this is like a uniquely American thing is advertising fans never took off across the pond. Really? For one reason. 
They're already very cold. It is not often warm and not for long enough to bother. (laughs) They never see the sun. They don't have to deal with this shit. And for the record, this explanation came from a British person, so you cannot come at me for this. And even if they did, what would they do? Well, they'd be like, that's a bit rude, isn't it? And then they'd say, I'm gonna see you Tuesday. And they'd possibly do a knife crime on me. I don't know what goes on over there. I mean, that wouldn't be much different from where we live now. I mean, that's just like, yeah, then you'd fit right in. Fit right in, friend. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the actual anthropological reason is just that in a climate where it doesn't get hot for very long, this is not a great advertising method. Umbrellas, on the other hand. (laughs) Umbrellas, that is an advertising thing in Britain that that never showed up here for exactly that reason. We are too big to have a single, like, unified weather front. Apart from warm. Apart from warm. So yeah, that is why I thought it was really interesting that advertising fans are almost a uniquely American thing. You can find them all over, but most of them, the bulk of them, the famous ones, everyone that you're gonna ooh and ah over is gonna be an American one. Do they happen in the Australia? They do happen in Australia. I was gonna say, because big, warm, English. It seems to be the key factors in making advertising fans happen. Yeah, big, warm English. (laughs) Also, the name of my new upcoming romance novel. Your next Regency romance will be titled Big, Warm English. Big, Warm English. (laughs) (laughs) One of my favorites that I found that was tied into that whole, like, this is a uniquely American phenomenon. So you know how back in the day, when presidential elections were much more insular, they used to give out cigars as a method of making people like the president Uh candidate? Right. Women didn't smoke cigars. Well, not out loud. Yeah, not in public company. But women did need hand fans because they were so faint and feminine and and falling down all the time. So there was a cockade-style fan that, when folded up, was a cigar tube. Aww. So everyone at the political rally would get a cigar. Oh. <laughs> I also found, um, while I was looking for rare, valuable, like, examples, Canada. I feel I've been a bit rude by forgetting Canada is a part of the North American mass. Well, in your defense, they do tend to be cold rather than not. But they had to have one very notable advertising fan. The Dion quintuplets. Huh. The first surviving set of quintuplets in the North American landmass. And they got fans for this? They got everything. Including fans. Including fans. The Dion quintuplets were more a marketing strategy than they were a set of babies. Oh, so like Instagram babies now. Yeah, absolutely. This was important because raising quintuplets isn't cheap or easy and their birth was not cheap or easy. So they ended marketing deals where companies would vie for the ability to advertise using their imagery. Oh. A Putnam Dye Company is the most well-remembered and also has the most fans on the market, which is why I'm talking about that one today. (laughs) And so, yeah, they would have these paintings of all five babies in their little incubators or playing as they got a little older. And then on the back, it would be like, do you need dye? D-Y-E. Yeah. (laughs) Do you need to dye? (laughs) These babies will do it for you once they're old enough to hold the knife. I mean... Babies are pretty fucking dangerous. You read an interview from the Dion Quintuplets now and they'll pretty much say that they would like to stab everyone involved. I believe it. (laughs) So this is also just like a really exciting collectible for me to find out about because the Dion Quintuplets, when I said valuable, they start capping out at like $35 to $40. Oh. Which is very affordable for a rare and exciting piece of advertising memorabilia. Indeed. Especially in a time where ephemera becomes more and more extensive and unattainable. Advertising fans were, for the most part, produced in such insane proportions. So cheap. Yeah, that most of them, especially the Americana ones, start at like five bucks. Dope. 
I saw several lots from actual, like, fan collectors who knew what they were doing, where you could get 6 to 10 for maybe $50. And they were nice ones, with cool illustrations, with Halloween pictures. <gasps> Halloween fans? Yeah, Halloween fans. Halloween fans. There was one folding paper fan that was a furniture company, where it was just pictures of cats in dresses. Love it. If you have that one, please call me. <laughs> Write in, antiquesfreakspodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> Um, of course, some rare examples, um, early advertising fans, like from the Victorian era around the 1890s, and particularly unusual examples where there were sequined advertising fans meant to go with people's evening dresses. Hell yeah. Those can start to creep in from the 50 to the $100 range. Still remarkably cheap in a, any kind of collecting circle for that to be the upper limit. In general, the rarest fans are any ones that are not a single piece. Because being in multiple pieces means there's a lot to break off and get lost. Exactly. And being a utilitarian object, that was likely to happen. Because people weren't, at the time, saving these fans just for fun. Except for some people's grandmas. That's how they got their collections. In general, it seems like the biggest factor for value and collectability is novelty. Which is the case with anything that has this much saturation. It's very hard to funnel things out. You just start looking at what's its cross-collectability. Halloween. Halloween is its own thing. Airlines, train lines, vehicles. Still not as exciting as Halloween, but I respect. Absolutely not, but popular collecting circles. Coca-Cola, I'm never going to get that one. And don't hold your breath for an episode because it does not stimulate my interest. If we can find someone to interview, maybe. Yeah, I would rather someone who cares. Make me, teach me to care. About Coca-Cola. About Coca-Cola. One of the things that I found, there was a fan that was about $50 or so that was from Las Vegas, and it was shaped like a deck of cards. Oh, that's very fun. Yeah, and there's a lot, there's a lot that are just in really weird, fun shapes that don't even necessarily have anything to do. I find that the less it has to do with what it's advertising, the better. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely Art Nouveau fairy telling me to got milk. Exactly. You know, there's like a lady doing the splits. And, like, her dress is the fan. Oh, that's very fun. Yeah, and it's just, like, a general store, and you're like, okay. Sure. All right, fine. I'm on board. In general, Americana and election fans tend to be, like, the bottom rung, unless they cross over with something like the Kennedy assassination. Abraham Lincoln, in general, obviously, was such a long time ago that it developed in natural value. So a lot of people get started there. I recommend picking an area and trying to stick to it, or you'll be overwhelmed very quickly. Halloween! Halloween's a good one. Halloween's super fun, and if you're in the selling game, makes money right back well. Consider, we have Christmas in July. Why not Halloween in July? That's a good idea, actually. Thank you. (laughs) Shit, why don't we have that? I would like that way better than Christmas. Thank you. (laughs) Because at Christmas, I just get bitter because it's hot. And like you show me this guy, and he's wearing fur in his snow, and I can't have any, and I'm fucking hot, and I'm so fucking hot. But you show me Halloween, and I'm just thinking about my pumpkins. Thinking about skeletons. Thinking about a skeleton and how skeletons are sometimes hot too. How my skeleton is hot, certainly. I don't get as mad. Oh, and also condition. As with any kind of ephemera, condition is absolutely the most important thing you consider. Damaged pieces are... Unless it absolutely strikes your heart with love, damaged pieces are not worth it. And you can find these sons of guns everywhere. Uh, Especially at auctions is very fun. They tend to show up as large, large, large lots. Because curating is a job. So, and they didn't do that, so you pay less to do it for someone else. I find them all the time at yard sales and stuff. They still make advertising fans. Really easy to tell the contemporary ones apart, almost strictly because of what they depict. 
you know, there's gonna be, like, a glossy Jesus holding, like, a cell phone. Like, that was a weird example. It was. The imagery will always make it pretty clear. And also just the company being depicted, if you give them a Google, if they did not exist in 1920, that's a good suggestion. And image quality, old style prints look very different. All you have to look for there is if there is like signs of digitization. If you see pixels, that's bad. Old printing should either be like dots or flat fields of color. Sources for today include thegracemuseum.org, illustrated happy hour history of the hand fan, journalofantiques.com, fans and fashion, fanscircleinternational.org, conserving fans, a fantastic source for learning how to fix paper fans. A fantastic source? It's fantastic, and I'm a <laughs> fanatic. <laughs> oh, how droll. <laughs> Fancircleinternational.org in general, wisconsinhistory.org, cool breezes, and Le Boudoir Online. If you would like to suggest an episode topic or just say hello, you can email us directly antiquesfreakspodcast at gmail.com. You can post in our Facebook group, Antiques Freaks Friends, or you can tag us on Tumblr, antiquesfreaks.tumblr.com. If you liked all of these fantastic things we had to say, if you want to yell at me to stop making the same pun over and over again, feel free to go on down to wherever you're listening to this and leave us a review. A review, perhaps, such as this five-star review entitled, Roasts My Clowns. <laughs> High praise. The only podcast I listen to in my clown burning room. <laughs> so thank you, Bob's Red Ink, for this review. I think it will help a lot of people find this podcast. I would certainly check out a podcast if that was the first review I saw. We also have an Etsy at etsy.com slash shop slash antiquesfreaks where we will send you clowns. None of them will be roasted unless you request that. Even so, that would be cruel. Yeah, I'd rather not, so please don't. But we also have a wide variety of vintage goods and t-shirts and stickers with the podcast logo on them. And we also have a Patreon at patreon.com slash antiquesfreaks, where you can listen to deleted scenes and our special bonus episode presentation of the Victorian Penny Dreadful, Varney the Vampire, or the Feast of Blood. The twists, the turns, there's a sailor, there's a duel, there's a monastery that refuses to be called a monastery. It's nuts, and we'd love for you to join us. So head on over to patreon.com slash antiquesfreaks. Thank you so much to our patrons for supporting the podcast. And thank you in particular for listening. That's right, you. Au revoir. Goodbye. <laughs>